want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7. I want to explain what it means when he says, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Matthew, chapter 7. Look in verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. That ought to scare you right there. Broadway, many. Narrow, few that find it. The Word of God, I believe, teaches that there will be more people going to hell than going to heaven. Not because it has to be, but because few will find the truth. Some people will hear the truth, but not believe the truth. The word has gone out to all the world. Then he says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets, because false prophets have a false message. And people that believe a false message still get the consequences of a false message. And if you believe the false message, it means you did not believe the true message. And he says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, and inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistle? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down, cast into the fire, and wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. So the Bible says several times here, by their fruits ye shall know them. And so we have today many people that have become professional fruit inspectors because they're looking for the fruit to determine whether you're real or not real. I've traveled across this country and I've listened to a lot of preachers say words that I'm not sure if they really understand what they're saying, but they say them. And the lost people are taking it the way I'm going to tell you. When you hear a preacher use the words, turn from your sins to be saved. Turn from your sins. That may sound so harmless. So harmless. Because who doesn't want people to live better? Everybody should want people to live better. So because people are not living as good as they ought to, what's wrong with telling people to turn from their sins so they can live better? When you tell a person that living better gives them a better chance to get into heaven, then it becomes a wicked, evil thing. Now, I just want to use a brief illustration, and he's my brother, so he doesn't care. <laughs> man, just stand up here just for a second. Just stand right there for a second. Now, little man, how old are you? 69 years old. Now, uh, that little girl sitting, sitting beside you right there, uh, Amber, stand up right there beside him, Amber, just for a second. Just stand up right there. Uh, stand this way and, and, and look at everybody so everybody can see your faces. There you go. Now, let me ask you this. My brother over there, he's lived 69 years. Amber, how old are you? 11 years old. If you had to decide which one of these do you think deserves to go to heaven? 
My brother's lived 69 years. Now, he's been bad. <laughs> I mean, I know my brother. And he, to think how long he's lived and how many bad, bad things he's probably has done in his life. And now, beside him is this sweet little innocent 11-year-old girl. Now, which one, and if you think about it, now you know that little girl, she deserves to go to heaven a lot more than my brother. Now, I love my brother, and I've known him for 69 years. Now, which one of these two deserves to go to heaven more than the other one? The little girl? The guy? Are you trying to tell me that there's no difference in God's eyes? See, when it comes to perfection, when it comes to righteousness, now we can compare them against each other all day long, and you and I know she's never committed half the sins he's has. <laughs> I mean, not even the bad sins that she hadn't even thought of yet. And yet she has not committed as many sins as he has. So we would, in our judgment, say, well, maybe she deserves to go to heaven because she's not as bad as he is. But... When the Bible says that none are righteous, he means in comparison to God, they both missed the mark. Though she has maybe committed a few sins, you have committed at least one. Her grandparents are here and she's not going to own up to it. So, but everybody does things wrong. So my brother has done a lot more things but when you compare it to God, they both have come short of perfection. Now, my brother says he's trusted the Lord, right? And uh, Amber, you say you trusted Christ as your Savior, right? So they both have trusted the Lord. So now let's get out our magnifying glasses. Now, we may find that my brother has some areas in his life that maybe not as good as he ought to be. And she may be exactly the same. We don't know. But who becomes the judge? Who is this fruit inspector? By their fruit ye shall know them. All right, so we're supposed to judge whether they're saved or not because of their fruit. Well, I, um, I got my water here. I'll just put it down here for right now. Because you and I know that a person should be washed from their sins. So, man, you go ahead and sit down. Uh, would you just come and stand right here? Just come up here and stand right here. Now, you trust the preacher, right? Yes. She trusts the preacher. So, all, all I'm going to do is... Um, Is all I'm going to do is we want to make sure she gets to heaven. Now, there's some people say that she has to be baptized in water. So all we're going to do is just baptize her in water. <laughs> now, you're, you're a good sport, girl. You're a good sport. Now, Water will not wash the dirt off your neck if you don't use soap with it. 
Water cannot wash her clean. Water can't do anything for her. It doesn't wash away her sins. And yet you hear verses of talking about, you know, we must be washed in the blood or wash away our sins. And he was sacrificed for us so that he could cleanse us from our sins. And yet at the same time, we know that not all things are right if we really get out our magnifying glass and begin to examine a person's life. Now, this sweet little innocent girl right here, let's say that this is her first birth. She is the first birth. This is her flesh. What you see is when she was born into the world. And you can see her. You see her? Now, you know and I know that the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you can't see it and you can't enter unless you're born again. So he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. This birth cannot go to heaven. She was born and as sweet and nice and kind as she looks. She was born with an old sinful nature. Got it from her grandmother. Where is your grandmother here? Would you raise your hand, Grandma? There you are. So that's, that's where she got her old sinful nature from. And it's not her fault. But she was born with an old sinful nature. And is, regardless of how sweet and kind, and regardless of how that old man over there, and God does no difference. They both must be born again. And as long as we look at them, who becomes the fruit inspector? Say, well, you're not living right. So when you tell a lost man he has to turn from his sins, then automatically you should expect him to turn from his sins, if that's what he has to do to be saved. And there's preachers that are telling people to do this. So they've got to stop being bad. So if you're bad, you've got to stop being bad. Well, is that the gospel? Is that the good news? That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That is not the truth. So what we need to do is she has to be a believer. It means that when somebody comes along and explains how that, you know, God loves you, sent his son to down the cross to pay for your sins, and will give you the free gift of eternal life if you trust him as your Savior. So let's say she comes along and somebody explains the gospel. She trusts Christ as her Savior. Now she's born into God's family. Now, what most people think is that God saved this flesh birth. This first birth. No, he didn't save this first birth. What God did was give her another birth. Another one. But it's a spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And you can't see the spirit's birth. Now, for example, every one of y'all in here, because you have natural physical eyes, and you can't see the second birth, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take her second birth, you staying right there, and I'm going to move her new birth right here. Now, if you had the right kind of eyes, you'd be able to see her. See, I can see her. You can't see her, cause I, but I got these special eyes. I, I can see her right there. In the Old Testament, the Bible talks about, you know, one of Elijah's servants says, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? He said, well, we got more with us than they do with them. So he opened his eyes, and he, he didn't know that they were already there. So what I want you to do, and you've got to do what I'm telling you to do now. I want you to 
Everybody close your eyes just for a second. Just close your eyes. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Don't peek. Don't peek. I want everybody's eyes to be closed. Just stay there. Now, open your eyes. See, there she is. You couldn't see her new birth, but now you can see her. See, there's two of them. There's two of them. Now, they look almost the same. But see, this is one of flesh. This is one of spirit. And when you understand, this second birth is born of God. Because the second birth is born of God. The first birth was born of parents, natural birth. That's why we have a sinful nature and we sin, we die. This one was first, and then later she trusts Christ as Savior. Now she has a second birth. This is the one that's born of God, and if it's born of God, God doesn't have a sinful nature. So your second birth has to be without a sinful nature. So she doesn't have a sinful nature. Don't tell your grandma I said that. You don't have a, a sinful nature. And if she doesn't have a sinful nature, she can't do anything wrong. Because she can't do anything wrong, she can't sin. So she can't sin, she can't die. This is why this one will live forever. Now, just to kind of give you a rough idea. The Bible says that we can um, walk in the spirit or after the flesh. Now, come over here just a second. Now, if you look at them this way, you can see them both. But remember, this is the body. This is the flesh. The first birth, she has a sinful nature. But now we have a new nature. And now, see, you can't see her, but she's still there. So where does she live? In the same body. She has two births. This, two of them living in the same body. And I can see your first birth, but can I see your second birth? I can't see your second birth, but you still got one. If you trusted Christ as your Savior. But you see, what most people get wrong is they're trying their best as though this one doesn't exist. And so they're trying to get this one here to change her life. They're trying to get this first birth, go to church, and do all these good things. And that'll be the proof that she's really a Christian. And so understand this. Just because you go into a garage... That will not make you an automobile. Going to a bakery will not make you an angel food cake. Devil's food cake, maybe. And coming to church will not make you a Christian. So you can look at this person, and if she doesn't turn from her sins, because as she gets a little bit older, she may be tempted to do a few other things. And the grandparents are going to deal with her. But she will have other desires to do other things when she gets older. Because we grow, and we mature a little bit. We may even become a little bit more rebellious and so forth. So then people will begin to question whether she must not be a Christian. And she might even get where she don't want to go to church anymore and read her Bible and pray or witness. So if you look at her life, you say, well, she's not a real believer. But that's this first birth. See, what most people don't get, and preachers don't get this, there is two births. Just because you can't see this one doesn't mean she isn't there. She's still there. Even though this one may dominate her life and do all kinds of things that she shouldn't do, 
doesn't mean that this one doesn't exist. So the Bible says, though she lives in the same body, the body belongs to her. But she doesn't want to give it up. So you have this battle that goes back and forth in your Christian life. So now, God wants to bless her. He says, now I want you to follow me. Not only does she live in the same body, I am, uh, for example, I'm the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so where does the Holy Spirit live? When she was born of God, also the Bible says you were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives inside. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide her. But he does so only as she yields to him. If she will listen to me, I can tell her what to do, where to go, what all these things. So if she will walk in the Spirit, means follow the Spirit. See, I'm going to walk over there, and you follow me. You follow her. All right? Here we go. Come on. Here we go. See there? As long as she follows me, everything's cool. Everything's all right. Now, just because she's walking in the Spirit doesn't mean the flesh isn't there. Flesh is still there. It says that she has power in her life because she's listening to me. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I still got the flesh. And it follows you all over the world. As long as you're in this body, you're going to have this problem. But if she doesn't listen to me, then you walk around the circle. She's after the flesh. See, the Bible sees us as in the spirit. Well, she walks fast. We're in the spirit. This is where God said, see, when you were born into this world, you were in the flesh. When you trusted Christ, God sees you in the spirit. This is, where, this is your new position in Christ. Now you're in Christ. You're in the spirit. But you're walking after the flesh. So God sees us totally different than we see ourselves. So when we talk about fruit inspectors, all right, thank you. Y'all can go be said. Give them a big hand. I appreciate it. Now go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And notice what he says here in verse 16. You shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth an evil fruit. All right, look up here. The Bible describes two different trees. Now, over here, we had the flesh birth. That is the bad tree. That's the bad tree. And it says the bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. And what it said, I ain't making this up. That's what it said. The bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Impossible. But it also says over here, the good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. You see, this one is born of God. Born of God, no sinful nature. It cannot bring forth bad fruit. It cannot sin. The flesh cannot please God. So God says that he's going to send his angels into all the world and checking every tree. And every tree that does not bring forth the fruit of righteousness, he says it's going to be cut down. That's why all of us born into the world 
have a flesh birth, and because we all sin, we're all going to be cut down. It means we're all going to die. Everyone sins, everyone dies. So whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior, this one can't sin, it can't die. This tree cannot bring forth one bad fruit. And this one cannot bring forth one good fruit. Now, I didn't make that up. Look at it again. Verse 17, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewed down, cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Now, if you don't understand the two birth, the two natures, if I was to follow you around with my little magnifying glass, if I find one, one, one little sin in your life, you're a bad tree. Am I making it up? Is that what the book says? You shall know them by their fruit. You say, well, what if I did all these good things? But if I find one bad thing, and there's a lot of good things, he says there's a mix-up on these trees things. Understand, as a Christian, because you have two natures, you can bring forth bad fruit, and because you have the new birth, you can bring forth good fruit. Now, wouldn't you get a little confused trying to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? Notice what he says here in this chapter. He's telling you how to recognize false prophets. See there in verse 15? Beware of false prophets who come to you in wolves' uh, clothing. But inwardly they're ravening wolves. What are they doing that's so bad? They're telling lost people to trust in their good works. And they have no good works. They're trusting in their good works. So that's what a false prophet teaches. He has a false message, and his message is trust in your good works. But the Bible says there is none good, no, not one. So you can't trust in your works to save you. That's how you tell a false prophet from a true man of God. The true man of God will tell you it's not by your works. You're saved by grace and grace alone. So now you look up there in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, I want you to hold your place here and look in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, look there in verse 28. John chapter 6, verse 28. Make sure you look at it. And verse 28 says, this is on the page 1122 in an old school for reference Bible, or one of the church Bibles in front of you there. He says in verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So what is it that God wants people to do? Believe on His Son. So, as you go back here now to Matthew chapter 7, 
And he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So what is the will of the Father? That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Now verse 22. Notice this is the many on the broad way. These are no doubt religious people. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not, get this, prophesied in thy name. Is that referring to their good works? Yes. And in thy name cast out devils, is that talking about their good deeds? Yes. In thy name done many wonderful what? So are they referring to what they did in order to get in? Look what we did. It doesn't show what or who did they trust. They were trusted in their works. And he says, a false teacher has a false message and will get people to trust in a false result. They cannot be saved. And he says, many are like this. Now think, for example, think of how many churches there are in America, in the world. And how many preachers are telling people, you've got to live better. You've got to turn from your sins. You've got to stop being bad. And you've got to start being good. You've got to commit your life to Christ. You've got to start serving God and doing all these good things. So many people think, well, that sounds reasonable. Why does it sound reasonable? Because we know in our mind, only good people ought to go to heaven and all those bad people ought to go to hell. It just makes sense. It sounds logical, as Spock would say. But the problem is, God says, nobody deserves to go to heaven. Regardless of how sweet and pretty and kind and all, you have to be perfect to go to a perfect place. And heaven is a perfect place. There's no mediocre place. There's no good heaven. There's only a perfect heaven. And you have to be perfect to get there. Now look up here. When the one only had the flesh birth, and because we sin, we all die. But because she trusted Christ as her Savior, she has a second birth. So when that physical body dies, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. See, she's now going to heaven. Why is she going to heaven? Is it because she's good? No, because God created her perfect without a sinful nature. So if God was to walk into this room, and he is righteous, and he says, I will give you my righteousness. If God gave me his righteousness, that would make me as righteous as, as God. So we're going to heaven because he made us righteous in Christ.